I am your host, Heather Petropoulos, recording live from my home studio in Brooklyn, New York, bringing you the Photo Mixtapes podcast. Episode 4, Falling into Shallow Depth of Field. Welcome, listeners, to the fourth episode of the Photo Mixtapes podcast. I hope you are enjoying the material so far, and I look forward to your continued support and feedback. Please subscribe and leave me a review on iTunes or reach out to me at heather at heatherpetropolis.com. So for last week's trivia question answer, the backing band, The Comets, supported Bill Haley during his rock and roll endeavor in the 1950s. They are most famous for Rock Around the Clock, featured on the hit television show of the 70s, Happy Days. I will have a love song trivia question for you at the end of the podcast. After a few very intense podcasts with poems that were more difficult to bear than they were joyful, I am back this week with something a bit more digestible. As I have been working on the love song mix, I have been having many different revelations in both my music listening and in my photography choices. I've been having a dialogue with myself through music and photography, about both the light and dark sides of the moon. The poem this week is a reflection of how love songs can capture some, but not all of the gray areas of us, and how the love I have exists in song. It pays homage to many different artists, and there are quotes from singer-songwriters sprinkled throughout, so stay tuned for some of your favorite song lyrics. And I will be back after the poem for photography tips involving shallow depth of field. So stay tuned. Track one, a spoken word poem. Falling in C major. Love songs are either right on target or nowhere close. And I find that even the close ones fall short to reach us in our gray area. Maybe altogether they can scratch the surface of falling in C major. Would you stay if she promised you heaven? Asked Fleetwood Mac. But was Rhiannon really promising all of that? Percy Sledge in proposing what goes on when a man loves a woman wasn't really accounting for the rest of us. What if we're two women? And what if the narrator from the Beatles who saw her standing there should have noticed the girl just to her left. Don't the platters really mean tears when they crone that smoke gets in your eyes? I highly doubt it's just a cigarette. And does Sia ever fear her elastic heart will snap? At least she admits being like a rubber band until receiving too hard a tug from your hand. Leslie Gurr was on to something, not wanting to be owned. But how does she account for any thief who stole her heart and soul? When Etta James exclaims that her love has come along, that her lonely days are over, what about the years and months and weeks before or after even? Does Ellie Golding bother accounting for those of us without any father's words when she offers to hold you as long as your father told you? Bruce Springsteen had it mostly right assuming that everything you need will stay a million miles away. But what if I have just the right map of you and knew your every curve just so? When Melissa Etheridge suggests I come to your window, does she worry about what could befall me getting there? 
Did she even think about the danger? Cliff Richard and Sarah Brighton try to convince us that a lover's words will warm and calm you. But surely they've never argued with some of my ex-girlfriends. Adele is nearly perfect. You could be deaf for that to notice. But is all I ask really a viable premise at the end of Two in Love? Elton John's song For You really grabs love by the horns of it. He even has verses that got him quite cross, but I find it hard to believe that with all of that he could forget the color of your eyes. Does Al Green really think that they'll be together whether times are good or bad, happy or sad? Even if someone lies or cheats or mistreats? In any circumstance? And Cat Stevens is such a teaser, not knowing how he can tell you, when it's plain to see that his simple words and phrases say more than not knowing what to say. Bob Dylan got accolades for writing with good metaphor, realizing that there is a pain that stops and starts, that ever since you've been apart can be like a corkscrew to his heart. The Rolling Stones separated themselves from the early pain, just watching as tears go by, unattached to them or us or me or you. Leonard Cohen realized most of all that dancing and the end of love could combine in the most sublimely unrequiet, only slowly being shown what he knew the limits of until his own dying. Ingrid Michelson mustn't live near a liquor store or a grocery store even, being unable to drink you gone or eat you gone either, and without a bed, not even sleeping works. George Michael lied to me since my youth, trying to convince me that just one more try would satisfy the pain behind his last goodbye. And Prince was such a liar too. Did he only want to one time see you laughing in the purple rain? Rain that would be tainted purple for a lifetime? Amy Winehouse, where to even begin? Trying would be an absolutely losing game. Just like love is a losing game, and we made such a mess with ours. And Whitney, when you covered Dolly's song, you lied most of all, saying that you would be in our way if you had stayed. When you're staying is what we would have wanted anyway. Great big world, what if I said the things you asked and it didn't work? What if she said these things too? But I look behind me and I am not being followed anywhere by anyone. Sam Cook, I am confused. How could I ever be able to, with my best, my very best, set her free and wish her love with anyone but me? And the revisionist history of David Gray sometimes appeals when history weighs mostly not red, but blue. He pleads, baby, say it isn't true. You were never there. It wasn't you. If only it was this easy. Michael Jackson captured the dichotomy most in 1979, singing Tom Baller's lines, not knowing whether to laugh or cry, live or die. Hedwig brilliantly explained in musical verse, that he saw so many things in your eyes I see now, sun and hurricanes and rains and black and cloudy skies. Does Eminem really love the way you lie? How could he? Especially when it feels like a steel knife in his windpipe. Must be because other times it felt like he was Superman with the wind at his back to her lowest lane. Jazz set the standard for our loving lives before the ends. 
Someone to watch over you, embracing the embraceable you, never knowing what to do when your funny valentine goes away. Never hesitating to share all of me, come rain or come shine. After one whole quart of brandy, wild again, beguiled again, just hold me tight and tell me you miss me at last. Even modern music has the formula of love found and lost and found again. Under the Milky Way, every time you go away, you take a piece of me with you. I'll unfold before you would have strung together the very first words of a lifelong love letter. Thank you, Sarah. It's just you and me on my island of hope. A breath between us could be miles. Let me surround you, my sea to your shore, thanking you, Sarah, again. With every answer comes another question. Baby, can I hold you? I can't fight this feeling anymore. Oh, my love, when you say nothing at all, what do I do? Nothing compares to you, but you always hurt the ones you love. And is it over yet? I can't make you love me, so say hello and wave goodbye, wondering why you don't bring me flowers anymore, and what I should do in the absence of your company. But what I know, I know deep in my heart to be true. I know when it's real, and I know when it's like Ani says, one minute there was road beneath us, the next just skies above us. I know my false and true notes, and I know yours too. And I know when either of us is off pitch, and when we see each other, it's all Alanis Morissette. You see everything, you see every part, you see all my light and you love my dark. Don't you know I will bend every light in Brooklyn and make sure they're shining on you. Like a great big world says, I am already home. And all I have is this feeling inside of me, the only thing I've ever known. And all of my senses are intact, like John Denver once said, you fill up my senses like a night in a forest, like a storm in a desert. You make me feel these when I let myself. And just like Adele giving us her perfect touch, you look like a movie, you sound like a song. And part of me keeps holding on just in case it hasn't gone. And all of this could be quite simple, much simpler than the ones who get it wrong. Even in 1990, Extreme got the formula down. If you only knew how easy it would be to show me how you feel more than words is all you have to do, and there is nothing else I ask of you. And Fleetwood Mac knew the deal when Christine sang that the songbergs are singing like they know the score, just like Elvis Presley knew so long ago they can't help themselves. That like a river flows surely to the sea, darling, so it goes, some things are meant to be. I want what Sade described when being on the outside, not being able to get in. That you will show up and somehow show me home. Is this too much to ask, like Mary Chapin Carpenter wonders? And when it doesn't happen for me again, I have the perfect sad songs. Singing to me with their perfect pitches. Like Damien Rice wondering why you fill my sorrow with the words you've borrowed from the only place you've known. And why did you sing hallelujah if it means nothing to you? I sometimes wonder why we ever started our own song in the first place. 
and you feel like a boomerang of my heart, like Sarah Bareilles supposes. No matter what I say or do, I'll feel you here until the moment I'm gone. And I don't know how to be a planet caught by the force of yours anymore. But at least I have these songs on the light and dark sides of the same moon as you are under. And no matter what we try to sing or write or do, I will always be falling in love with you here in C major. Track two, photography tips. Thank you for your audience and for making it to track two, listeners. When I am out shooting, particularly on the city streets, the most important part of my discovery and decision-making process prior to pressing the shutter is how much of my scene I want to be in focus. This week's photography tips are all about how to choose what is in focus, and once you do choose, how to execute that focus choice. I very often lean toward wanting a very small part of my scene in focus, no matter how big the scene is. I find that this choice lends itself to giving the eyes something to focus on and discover about an image more quickly and more lastingly. I also find that it adds a deeper meaning to your photograph, particularly if the scene is expansive and there is a lot going on visually. For example, Let's say you're in the Times Square area and you want to take the energy of the passersby and the lights around them. It can be successful to approach a photograph like this with everything in sharp focus. You can capture the entire expanse of the scene and there will be many interesting lighting and people effects for your eyes to focus on. But if you're taking the photograph to convey how lonely it is surrounded by so many people, that concept might get lost if everything is in focus. It might just look more like a postcard or snapshot documenting the area versus telling something new and different that only your perspective can give it. I would instead be looking for what draws my eye the most and creating an image with less in focus and focusing on that one point. It could be a particular food truck light or a color someone is wearing or a particular corner or street light. Once I choose this most interesting area of focus, I would decide what part of the frame that area will occupy. What does the surrounding area look like? Is it more interesting to the left or right of my area of focus? Is it more interesting above or below it? The rule of thirds can come in quite handy when making these decisions, but you don't have to follow it to a fault as long as you make a conscious decision rather than leaving it to chance or to cropping the image after the fact. When it comes time to create the image, I have it framed so that there is a primary area that will be in focus, and I have ensured that the surrounding areas of the frame are not distracting, even though they will be less focused and therefore less seen. To choose settings, I would be using the smallest or a smaller f-stop number. If your lens has a range of, let's say, 2.8 to 22, I would most likely choose a number between 2.8 and 5 to have the least amount of the image in focus and to have my chosen focal point be the most prominent. This is called a shallow depth of field. I can either choose to have my shutter speed automatically set by staying in aperture priority mode, or I can use manual mode and set a complementary shutter speed for a proper exposure. 
I recently took what I think is a good example of this concept the other day in Madison Square Park, and you can head on over to Instagram and check out the final image on my feed, Photo Mix Tapes, from Saturday, November 11th. It is a delicate white flower that was sitting in front of an outdoor restaurant back door and garbage cans. I noticed the flower right away, and I wanted the flower in focus, and the garbage cans and back entrance faded out. But the garbage cans were still an interesting part of the image because they were blue and green. And the back entrance also still had interest in the composition because it had lights on the trees that blurred into nice golden circles to the left of the flowers. Shallow depth of field made this image one I could be proud to feature, versus just an ordinary scene with flowers and a building and garbage cans. An image that probably at the end of the day wouldn't have even been worth taking. So try this tip out the next time you're taking photographs of a more complicated scene. Swimming in the shallow end of depth of field can give you amazing creative results. So this week's trivia question. Which band covered Roberta Flack's Killing Me Softly to Grammy award-winning success. You can reach out with your answers on Instagram at photo mix tapes so that you can also see the photograph I mentioned above or at heather at heatherpetropolis.com. And if you're loving the podcast, listeners, please share it with your friends and share your review with me on iTunes. I am your host, Heather Petropoulos, recording live from my home studio in Brooklyn, New York, bringing you the Photo Mixtapes podcast. <laughs>